Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? De Niro B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I'm here with CJ Finley. CJ is a serial entrepreneur, podcast host, and life hacker. He's technically trained as an industrial designer, but after he decided to follow his true passion for helping businesses grow and people evolve to become the best versions of themselves, he launched Thrive on Life. CJ partners up with early stage startups and helps them with strategy, brand management, and operations to scale faster and better and make a bigger impact. This is going to be a conversation about business coaching and remote work, so you can't miss it. Let's go. All right, CJ, welcome. Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing extremely well. I'm just very appreciative that you have me on. Absolutely, my friend. Um, I'm very excited to have you here on the show. And like we always ask all our guests, can you tell us what you were doing before you started your business, before you became an entrepreneur? So I kind of have a similar path, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, grew up in a, in a small town in New Jersey and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I love sports and I loved building things. Uh, my dad was an engineer by trade. So I kind of grew up getting my hands dirty and all different types of things. And then he was an athlete as well. So I was put into sports at a very young age. And that's pretty much all I did with my time. Um, and then once I got into kind of high school and started to need some cash is when I started showing some entrepreneurial tendencies, always kind of leaning in towards mowing grass, shoveling snow, babysitting, uh, working for cash jobs rather than trying to go get a nine to five. And I didn't really realize that at the time what entrepreneurship was because there was no YouTube, there was no Instagram, there wasn't the sh anything to show you. And in, in my small town, everybody kind of was just blue collar um, and just had a job in the city The the dad or mom worked. And then the family um, kind of just went about it that way rather than small business or entrepreneurship. And that kind of all changed for me when I went to engineering school, I graduated and started realizing one, there's no way in hell that I'm going to sit at a job, all sit at a desk all day. Um, I couldn't sit at a desk during school. So I don't know why I thought I could do it during a job, during a career. And yeah. fortunately, what ended up happening was uh, everybody at the career that I was in started asking me, what do you do for your health? Like, will you train me? Uh, so I was a collegiate athlete, played soccer. And then when I got out, got out of college, I still trained. And when I was at my career, uh, first job at UBS wealth management, people started asking me, Hey, I would love if you could help me with my nutrition and my, my exercise. And at first I kind of didn't give any thought to it because I had no time quote unquote, but then I started researching how much were trainers making and online trainers were making and started realizing, wow, I can make some really good side money 
long story short, that side money turned into enough money to quit my job and then ultimately go after my passion, which was to live a life where I'm thriving rather than just surviving. Now, in between all this story, there was a lot of hardship. Um, I lost some family members and my wife lost some family members, which ultimately led to the creation of my brand Thrive on Life, which ultimately is just here to inspire other people to make every heartbeat count and really make your time on this earth worth it. So you should be doing something that you love and every single day you should be waking up inspired and passionate about whatever it is that you're spending your time on. So long story short, um, it was kind of a typical progression of didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, tried a different bunch of things and then kind of leaned into something I was passionate about to solve problems for other people. 100% very interesting, man. Um, I want to talk about what happened, like you, you, your, your first real business, not that the mowing grass and all that stuff is not a real business, but I'm talking about online, the user scaling. Can you get us through that process? When did you decide to drop everything else, focus and, and build that? Um, how old were you or like how long ago and how did that play out for you? So I'm 30 and all of this started progressing at like 24, 25 years old. Um, I started realizing I had something when uh, I'm a systems engineer by trade and a lot of personal trainers and online trainers know nothing about systems. So I was building a system of scale where, for instance, I would build a Google Drive out and I would pretend like I had 10 clients before I even had 10 clients. And I would build out the forms, I would build out the surveys, I would build out everything in advance to scale up to that point. And then once I started sitting down with other trainers and asking them like, what were they doing for their payment processing, their accounting, um, everything else, social media, how are they getting their posts out? Were they doing it manually or using like Buffer or other things to scale their reach? Um, and I started realizing none of them were doing what I was doing. And I was like, oh shit, I live, I live under a bubble. I went to engineering school and now I'm using the skills that I learned there in this completely different market. So I transitioned really quickly from building my own personal training business because I, I loved helping people, but I actually loved helping people who were helping people more. So mm -hmm. I figured out if I, I could help a million people faster, if I just help a hundred people that are helping tens of thousands of people. So it transitioned really quickly from, okay, I have 10 of my own personal training clients to now I have coaches reaching out to me. Hey, can you help me grow my business? And then ultimately what ended up happening was I started diversifying outside of just health and wellness and started helping small business owners and other entrepreneurs build systems. Because when you're an entrepreneur, really you're just you're skilled at, at hustling and sales. And then to get to the next level and become a CEO, usually it takes two different types of people. Um, and if you read the books, Traction or Scaling Up, it'll, it'll show you the kind of the difference between a hustler to get something off the ground and then a CEO that can manage a financials, accounting, growing teams, everything like that. So I really would sit down with other CEOs and founders and help them realize that if they want to stay working on their business and they want this thing to continue to grow and manifest into something bigger that they're going to have to transition their mindset and their attitude towards how they're going about working on their business. Yeah. 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 Listen, what you just talked about right now is the essence of my coaching program as well. Uh, the remote CEO Academy uh, and, and of course the podcast, which is system thinking. A lot of people don't do that. You're right. They just say, you know, right now I only have five clients. Why would I spend time building these systems? But the reality, guys, is that, you know, if you make a mistake when you have 50, 80, 100 people, that's going to be a huge mistake. 
when you start making small mistakes right now, while you test these systems, it's just going to be a small hurdle. You get over it, you move on. And then from there you learn. And I think that's the most important thing. You, you really, if anybody can take one thing home from this interview, CJ, is that you need to build systems as early as possible and test them in a small pool so that when you grow, you don't have to wonder how you're going to make that happen. So thank you very much for that, my friend. Um, also, you said something else that your schooling, basically your engineering uh, degree, I guess, right, um, had to do a lot with your way of thinking when you scale your business. And I just wanted to address that because I did, I went to business school, so not engineering, but I was a uh, uh, music producer using like, like very complex software to, to master and mix my tracks uh, for 10 years before I opened my business. And that was the one thing actually CJ that brought me to creating systems for my business because just like I had to master software when I was making music, when I started running my business, I said, wait a minute, I can use the same exact system thinking to my business. And that's when all the email responders and all the buffers and all the Zapier and all that great stuff started you know, coming all together. So I just wanted to say this to our audience right now at home. You don't need to necessarily have an engineering degree to start thinking in systems. You just have to really think, what did you do in the past that worked out? And if you really look at it, if it was something a bit more complex than just, you know, like doing one thing, um, it involved systems, right? So CJ, want to talk about your experience as, as, uh, as an entrepreneur right now? Do you have an office or are you a remote CEO running your business from a remote location and having people, you know, working from other areas uh, in the world? So this is a touchy subject, actually. Um, prior to COVID, I invested probably the most amount of money I've ever invested into a small office, which was to really help uh, more remote creative entrepreneurs. It was going to become a space for people to ideate and then also host my podcast. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, two months after I got it, so it was December of 2019, um, the world shut down. So now I have this office that I just invested ton of money into and signed a two-year lease. And I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. Fortunately, entrepreneurship teaches you that when your back's against the wall, there's a lot of solutions and you find a lot of ways to kind of maneuver things. So what we ended up doing was I started doing online webinars and online um, weekly lunch and learns with the space. And it started to take off and I started growing a community. And ultimately that led to some other kind of deals that I was working on and we were working in, in real estate and helping real estate agents and just different type of projects that I never would have had, had I not kind of like leaned into like, okay, what's the problem here? Uh, the problem isn't that I have the space that I can't use. I'm just not going to be able to use the space for what I want to use it for. So I figured out like, okay, it's a beautiful space. I can set it up to produce a lot of great media that can still be helpful to a lot of people. And guess what? A lot of people are on their phones and online right now. So we can use this to our advantage. So that's what we did. Um, and flash forward another year. And I ended up meeting one of my best friends and now business partners, my buddy Noah Heisman. And we now, I switched offices and now we have like a little two bedroom um, studio type of deal where we have our podcast, we create our content in there. And it's more of like a lounge feel. So it's, 
I'd say it's a hybrid. Um, I don't work there every day. It's more so that we can produce work that inspires people to be more of a remote CEO and that you can do anything kind of from anywhere. Um, But I am a big, I'm big on not necessarily was working from where you like, this is, I'm sitting in my home right now. Um, Working where I wake up doesn't always give me the creative juices and the creative flow that I need. So I've learned from that first office space that having kind of that that different space to go to and to ideate and to just like really have fun creating with no pressure of being at my house and like kind of like confusing myself with relaxation, relaxation versus work um, has been very helpful. So anybody that's listening to this, I highly recommend if you don't have some type of hard space reset where it's like, if it is in your house, like make that part of your house drastically different than where you're relaxing. Um, because I've seen how much more successful I can become when I do separate those spaces. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree with you 100%. We get a small kid too. So I understand what it means to actually having to be out of the house. Like I, I, I know that firsthand. Um, what you also said, it's very, very uh, interesting is that like you need to make it different. And like, for example, one of the things that we talk about here, the remote CEO, like never bring your work in your bedroom. Because if you start bringing your computer, your phone, your your, your, I don't know, anything in your bedroom, you're going to automatically associate that place, not only to sleep, but to work and productivity. So as soon as you walk in your bedroom, you're going to be like, oh, did I send that email? Did I reply to that message? So make sure that, especially where you sleep and, and where you rest, where you regenerate your, your body and your cells is the place where you only do that. And if you have a partner, have fun with your partner, but that's it. It shouldn't be for anything else, but those two things. Um, great, man. Listen, I wanted to actually get some actionable tips for, from you. I know that this is a short episode, but it's going to be value packed. So, uh, scaling your business, you've been doing this for about five years now, from what I understand. Can you tell us one thing, one mistake, except the, the mistake of getting, you know, the office two months before COVID, which actually played out uh, to be a pretty good move anyway, but something else from a managing perspective, management perspective, maybe of your remote team and whatnot that didn't work out that you wish you knew before. And at one thing that you would recommend any remote CEO start doing right now. Uh, this is an easy one for me, uh, trying to put square pegs in circle holes. Um, okay. I think this is what a lot of people do. They try to, like when you're, let me backtrack. When you're trying to get something off the ground, you're probably strapped for a couple of things, time, energy, cash, a couple of those things, right? So you're desperately trying to get people on board the ship to help you get it off the ground. What you really need to do is look in the mirror and be 100% honest with yourself, who fits where. And you can't hope that somebody grows into something. They're either that at the moment or they're not. And you have to be honest with them and honest with yourself because in the beginning, it's more about, it's not about having um, a ton of people that are the best at, at everything, really. It's having people that are reliable, trustworthy, and can do their job to help you get to that next step. And whether they're at the next step is up, really up to them if they want to grow into that. Um, but something that I kind of did in my past that now I don't do is pretend like the mechanic is then going to be um, also the car, the driver of the car. Like that is something that I think creates a lot of havoc. Um, and even within myself. So this is with founders too. I would take on too much 
um, and try to tell people how to do their jobs rather than, Hey, nowadays, like, especially like, let's say podcast, right. Um, for my podcast, the Thrive on Life podcast, all I do is record. I don't do the audio. I don't do the copy for the captions. I don't do the graphic design for our Instagram page. I don't do any of that. I focus on what my skill is and then just double down into that. Um, and there's small ways to do it. So if you don't have the capital or if you don't have uh, the resources just yet, as long as you're creating the path to do that. And that's where the second part of this question you ask, like, what do I recommend people do or what do I do that I think uh, kind of lets me get to that next level is something called SOPs, standard operating procedures. So anytime I needed something done or some type of role, I create a standard operating procedure. So again, example is a podcast since y'all listen to one right now. Literally, I have a standing operated procedure for my podcast. So if like my audio guy goes away or uh, the guy that's doing my copy or the girl that's doing my social media, we can literally hire super quickly because we can show exactly what we need done, why we need it done, and how that person can not just do well at their job, but over exceed um, and do it in a way that's efficient to them and on their own time. And that's the beauty of why I love my podcast, because none of the people that work on my podcast are in the same location. We have one um, out near Las Vegas, one in New Jersey, and one person in South Africa. So it's just like, and I'm in Austin, Texas. So that's a beautiful site where we honestly, none of us have all been on a call at one time. It's all just through documentation. Uh, we use Trello for project management and Google Drive for a very clean database. And you just roll with that. That is the one thing I can tell everyone to do is have standing standard operating procedures so that everybody is on the same page. And if somebody, let's say, gets pregnant and has to leave, um, somebody else can come in. Or if somebody uh, decides they want to go on their own and do something else, somebody can then just plug and play. So that is the number one thing I think I do today. And that all stemmed from the problem of me trying to do too much in the very beginning, which I think is a very common problem. Oh, 100%, 100%. Chris Ducker used to call it uh, the, the superhero syndrome. You know, you, you think you can do everything yourself until you burn out, you, you crash and, and burn and, and you're done. And then you're like, wait a minute. Um, CJ, listen, I wanted to ask you what's, uh, what's up the pipeline right now? What, what's exciting coming down the pipeline that you're working on with your team? Let us know. So uh, I got to actually update my website. This is something I've been meaning to do. It's just been pretty chaotic. But uh, right now, the biggest things that I'm working on are uh, a couple different things. I'm partnered in something that's called the MSW Lounge. Um, I help with the media, which is How Do You Health? It's a local health lounge here in Austin, Texas. And our whole goal is to kind of like make the world healthier and happier. And our mission is based on just educating the average person around, just like you said, like stuff like sleep and things that can make you uh, healthier. And it's an Ivy lounge here in Austin, Texas. And we do weekly lunch and learns and just a bunch of different stuff that helps the public really gain a thorough knowledge of what true health actually is. So that's something that's super uh, is firing me up right now because the world needs that. Um, and then the world also needs is this other project that I'm blessed to work on called Doing Wit, Whatever It Takes. Uh, my friend Sarah Hermholm is the founder of that. Um, and it's an entrepreneurial education company for teenagers. So we teach college credit courses to teenagers online. So every Wednesday night, um, right now we have, I think over 10 teens that log on and 
what I help it, what I'm helping do right now is like really creating our coaching system so that we can get more coaches in and people that have always wanted to kind of be adjunct professors are now able to teach kids entrepreneurial and lifestyle tips because we're big believers in entrepreneurship really teaches you more uh, than anything school ever will. So these kids come in and they have the opportunity to go to hangouts uh, with very successful entrepreneurs and ask them questions. They have a chance to win money. They build community. And these kids are from all over the place. So we've had kids from the United States all the way to India uh, tune into our classes. So it's pretty cool there. Um, and then the last thing that's kind of inspiring me and firing me up, uh, other than like my podcast and other things that I do personally, um, is creating this mobile sauna business. Um, my buddy Noah, um, we really love to kind of think of creative ideas to get people connected and build community. So he started a mobile sauna uh, with his one of his business partners in Minnesota, and it worked really well. And we want to bring that to Austin, Texas, where if you have a retreat or an event or something like that, we kind of show up and we introduce you to why sauna is important. And we're also attaching an ice bath to it. So really getting people to understand uh, true health and what that looks like and using that as the modality to inspire conversation because some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life. And honestly, some of the biggest business deals I've had in my life have happened because I've been in a sauna. So that's another thing that we're kind of working on. So a lot of, a lot of hands and a lot of different fires, but it's all about impact and, and education and getting people uh, healthier, wealthier, and, and happier at the end of the day. That's awesome, man. It's all cool. But the sauna one at the end really like uh, struck, struck a chord because I was literally recording my one of my lessons in, in, in my course that I had to do with saunas today. And I know how important it is. Like That's awesome. I, I'm a, a huge lover of saunas. Never heard about the mobile one. And it seems such a great idea, like you said, uh, for any event to 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 create that extra level of uh, of, uh, of value for for the paying clients, right? Listen, CJ, where can people find you online? I'm sure they want to know more about you and your uh, and your activities. Easiest way uh, is probably Instagram. That's the one I'm on most at cj.finley, F-I-N-L-E-Y, or just go to my website, cjfinley.com. Um, yeah, I'm pretty active. So just shoot me a message and I'd love to chat with you. Awesome, man. So thank you very much. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show in the future um, and enjoy the rest of the day, my man. Likewise. Thank you, Dinero. And I, I hope to have you on the show, on my show as well soon. Have awesome. a wonderful day. You too. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again. And I will talk to you again soon.